0: Today this is Thursday, uh, June 29th, year 2006. And again, we have uh, the Ontolog invited speaker session. Today we have the pleasure of having Dr. Timothy Redmond from Stanford Medical Informatics to talk to us. His uh, presentation will be on developing applications in Protege and uh, specifically uh addressing the protege plug-in architecture. But before we do that, uh, let's go around and have everyone sort of briefly introduce themselves. I'll go down the attendee list as we had picked up uh, a little earlier. So I'll start
1: with Bob Smith. Bob? I'm right, Bob Smith. Um Professor emeritus at the California State University, former chairman of AI, expert systems for the 20 campuses, and now very interested in health care dynamics and uh, what we can do to uh, drill down and uh, make protégé very effective and distributed across uh, a lot more hospitals. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, uh, I'm next. I'm Peter Yim. I'm one of the co of the OntoWalka Forum uh, along with Leo Oberst and Kurt Conrad.
2: And I welcome everyone uh, here.
0: Okay. Um, David? Hi, my name is David Katsumoto. I'm from Sun Microsystems and I'm a newcomer to this, this forum. Uh, yeah, a colleague of mine, I can't remember her name, um, sent an invitation out to an interest sailor, so I was on that A-list, and now we decided to hop on the call to see what was going on. So welcome. And if you like what you see here, you're even uh, welcome to join our community. Now that you know where the wiki page is, at the wiki homepage, there's a section called Membership, and details are there. Thank um, you. you. Okay. Uh, Uh, Kathleen?
3: uh, Kathy, Ellis, Eli Uh, Lilly and Company.
0: Just worrying about ontologies. Now I want to edit one. Okay, welcome. Uh, Atilla? Yeah, this is Atilla and Chitlin. A faculty number at the Engineering Department.
2: Okay. Brian? T.T.
0: Uh-huh. And it's an antibody. Thanks.
1: So, Brian Resnick. You may be on, on mute. Oh, yeah, Brian Resnick here. I'm a software engineer at the Boeing Company in Phantomworks. I work on a, a lot of network-enabled demos where we deal with various data protocols that we have to do a lot of uh, translation between. And that's why I'm interested in the ontology. Maybe possibly automate that process. I don't think that's good, uh, Paul? Paul Cook Uh, This is Paul
0: Cook I'm now with the uh, U.S. Environmental Protection Agency I'm assigned to the Office uh, of Research and Development and connected with the Council
1: for Regulatory Environmental Modeling So
0: uh, I don't know if you have already updated your page otherwise we would have thought uh, that you'd still with uh, TAPRIC Yes I need to make those changes okay I'll add that but, but, but uh, go, go change your uh, your namesake page uh, when uh, as soon as you have the chance
2: so
0: alright will do alright quick uh,
3: Jeff
0: Jeff Smith
3: yeah, Jeff Smith from uh, Boeing Phantom Works and um interested in ontologies and their application to uh, vehicle health management um, data and I'm an too. Welcome. Uh, Patrick? Uh,
1: Patrick DeRusso. I'm with uh, Snowball Software and I'm one of the co editors of the Topic Maps Reference Model. Welcome again, Patrick. Patrick
0: was the speaker for us just not too long ago. Uh, Tim. Uh, okay, we'll hold on Tim's introduction. I'll introduce Tim later. Uh, <laughs> Jim, oh, yeah. Jim Harmon.
3: Hi, uh, Joe Herman here, Boeing uh, Fanworks. Uh, we have a couple of uh, projects we're working on dealing with semantics, semantic uh, data integration and integration of uh, applications using semantic interfaces. Did i get come to in and check things out.
0: Did I get, get your name wrong? Is it Joe oh. or Jim?
3: Oh, actually, it's Joe. Not a big deal. All right. Yeah. Sorry. No problem. Phil. Uh, Hi. Uh, I joined Fanworks uh, in December, and I'm working in Mike's group. Uh, in natural language processing and ontologies, and I just started using uh, Protege and I'm learning about it. And um, I'm also interested in uh, military ontologies. And if anyone has, uh, knows of any uh, detailed army ontologies, I'd be particularly interested in uh, knowing about that. Thanks. It's
0: pity Pat Cassidy is not with us, um, but you can look up this name fairly easily. I don't know if you can make those things available, but Pat chairs a group called Ontology and Taxonomy uh, Coordinating Working Group under the uh, SciComp, and he probably knows what's around and, and what's available. So, okay. he be the right person to, to check out. Okay, thanks. Uh, so, next person, is that the uh, Louis?
1: Right. Two hey. oh. I'm in boring Phantom Works also. I'm just interested in ontologies.
0: Oh. Wait. So did, did, I, did I miss Bill or No, you got me. Okay, good. Uh. Uh, Ike?
1: Ike? Uh, Ike is right. I'm a student at, and staff member at the Institute for Geoinformatics at the University of Minster and I'm working on a project uh, using ontologies to improve uh, semantic interoperability for web services. Great. Yeah, uh, uh, Carlos? Yeah, um, this is Carlos Ramirez. I'm from Boeing IDS. And I'm interested in applying ontologies in software engineering related um, areas. Uh, Jeremiah?
0: Hi, I'm with the Boeing Company. I'm in the Material and Process Technology Group. I'm interested in manufacturing
2: ontologies. Thanks. Okay. Uh, let's see,
0: who else? Uh, Michael.
3: Say uh, me. Yeah, Ushul. Yeah. Right, okay. Cool. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm interested in um, developing and applying, applying ontologies. Okay.
2: Context it so That's sick uh, did
0: we miss anyone is anyone online who has not had a chance to get introduced yet
2: Hi Peter, it's Mac.
0: Uh, uh, IMAX, I It's Max. Mac I'm Max please introduce yourself
2: oh
1: ah,
3: okay uh, I'm Michael Maximilian or um, Claude Matthew go, go, uh, go ahead I'm with uh, IBM Almaden Research Center, uh, doing various research in uh, Web Services,
1: we and knowledge representation as well. Great. Uh, okay. Clark.
0: Clark, yeah. is your last name, 1T or 2Ts?
1: Just 1T. Okay, great. All right. Please introduce yourself. Uh, I'm with uh, IRS in Austin, Texas. Uh, working work in Web Services and uh, generally working with um, taxonomy and ontology. Welcome.
0: Thank Uh, you. We are supposed to also be expecting Jim Wesley, Steve Inan, uh, Mark Greaves, and Katrina Pearson. Uh, Any of you here that we missed? No? Okay. Uh, If not, then I guess I will... uh, ahead and introduce our speaker today. Uh, we have the pleasure of having Dr. Timothy Redman here. Uh, Tim is a recent addition to Stanford Medical Informatics' protege project team and is now taking over as chief protege architect. Uh, Tim received his uh, Bachelor of Science degree in Mathematics from UC Santa Barbara and got uh, his Ph.D also in mathematics from Princeton. Uh, since that time, uh, Dr. Redman has worked in the area of formal methods and their application to verifying the correctness and security of computer systems. Uh, he has extensive experience with formal methods, including experience using systems such as, uh, do you pronounce the word,
3: whole or Joe and SDBS. So without further ado,
4: Uh Kim. Thank you. And I was going to talk about developing applications in Protégé, and I was going to – most of what I'm going to say is about the uh, plug-in architecture, but I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, about uh, more um, – a different style, alternate styles of development as well. So um, actually, um, some of you said you are newcomers to this field. Um, in many ways, I'm a newcomer too. I've only been working at uh, at um, on Protege for um, six months, and um, I did in my past experience have some experience with um, with using out for um, security policies. But um, so I'm fairly new. But um, Protege, um, I found it um, when I came here. It's um, a very amazing platform. Um, it's um, one of the things that has made it succeed. To the extent that it has is it, um, the plugin architecture. It's the ability to mo- modify um, how um, Protege behaves, and in some cases, um, with very, very simple amount of code, can make a um, significant difference. So um, I think I'm ready for the um, for the second slide, number two. So um, so plugins is. Um, so okay, so this is um, most of what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about plugins, and I'm going to talk about um, different kinds. And um, and by other development models, um, there is the possibility um, that you can um, use Protege to develop an application where no Protege screen will come up. It has a um, a knowledge model. You um, it has a server-client mode, so you could, um, for instance, imagine applications where you access. Um, a, a prototype server remotely and, um, do various things, um, which, um, and we have applications like that, the, uh, Athena Project, and so, um, uh, so I will talk about these things. I'm ready for slide three. So, um, okay, so I'm not going to talk about, um, I'm not going to go heavily into, um, Java development issues and, um, uh, implementation mechanisms, I am, or whether you like Eclipse better or JBuilder, um, I'm mostly gonna focus on, uh, what the capabilities are, what plugins are, um, what kind of things can be done with plugins, uh, um, protocols will be used and how it's done. Okay, I'm ready for slide four. But
0: before I um, move on, I mean, although you're not gonna talk about them, but can we ask questions about them later?
4: Oh, actually, um, asking questions, uh, anytime I, um, this is a sort of a new format for me, so I'm not totally used to it. But um, my usual um, feeling is: the more questions, the better. I mean, um, the questions are what the talk is about. So, uh, well, I had Absolutely, a, I had a question.
1: This is Claude in Austin, Texas. Um, are these applications and plugins generally open
4: source? Um, okay, that's uh, um, that's okay. So. The plugins that we currently have with Protege, um, a large number of them are open source. But um, but the uh plug in architecture um, um, and the licensing scheme um, definitely allows people to write proprietary stuff and use it. Right. And um But we'll be generally uh, talking about open source
1: applications well, they are, um I'm just trying to clarify. Well,
4: okay. So the only the open source only comes up in the area of um, of how the license. In terms of what I'm going to talk about, uh, the open source is only going to come up in the in the question of um, of um, how somebody would license things and um, and um, whether you know what's what's the um, issues with making a um, a proprietary thing and a non proprietary thing. Um, so in general, I won't um, talk about that a lot. I mean, I, I will make the points that um, Protege is fully open source. I think that's another factor in its success. Um, and um, well, yeah, but I I guess also, it would be helpful to know
1: as you're going through whether or not the plugin that you're talking about is open. I open
4: won't. None, none of the actual plugins that I will display, at, you know, that are in the slides are actually um, proprietary. As okay, a matter wait, of fact, okay. um, that that the plugins that the plugins that are actually here are all um, um, extremely simple, kind of one-line examples. Okay. Um,
2: yeah.
4: So, uh, okay. So I'm ready for slide four. But they, maybe to, to uh,
0: also it's helpful, I guess each plugin would probably be clearly the the licensing arrangement uh, that they're under because plugins are contributed by the community. And not developed as that in entirety.
2: Entity. Is that correct?
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, what's that?
0: Uh, I said, I mean, each plug in would actually state this licensing arrangement. And since yes. Developed yes. That, okay.
4: That, that's, that, that's helpful. I have a better understanding now. There is there is actually, and, and um, I actually will mention that briefly uh, toward the end of this, there's actually a, a sort of, you know, the plug in architecture. There's sort of a natural place to put that kind of licensing information where you go ask about the plugin and it says, you know, this is proprietary or whatever or whatever the rules are.
3: Uh, hi, this is Ramya from Boeing. Can we continue with the um, actual subject and then talk about the licensing, etc., afterwards?
2: Sure. Yes, yeah, please go ahead.
4: Okay. So. Um, so, um, what is a plugin? Well, um, a plugin is um, uh, it's a standard concept. It's, a, um, it's an extension to Protege. Um, one of the key things is it requires no source code modifications. Um, you, um, it's um, loaded and managed by the system when you start up. One of the things you'll see on the console as Protege starts is you'll see it um, it touches every plug-in to um, to um, get some information about them. Um, it doesn't load the whole plugin, but it touches them and has a look at them. And you can see when Protege starts up, you can see that listing of all the plugins as they um, as they are bred um, in. Um, every plugin is a implementation of um, some Java implement interface, and they're, um, there's a certain packaging scheme that's used. They're packaged in jars in a certain directory according to a certain um, strategy that's well defined, and um, and um, so, so yeah, I think that's that's good for for I think. So we're uh, getting close to getting into the uh, details of this. So plugins um, um, work on the strategy of they um, um, they are they are um, read in they're loaded in some sense when protege starts up, but there isn't a lot of overhead to this because um, because until a pro a plugin is actually explicitly asked for in some sense, they um, nothing happens with a plugin. Um if a user says um, if you have a plugin that will convert a protege file to um, RDFS, the user has to say, Well, okay, I want to do RDFS and at that point the plugin is loaded in and used. Um uh so plugins are um, they don't create a lot of overhead, but they change the way the um, Protege system works. So I can go to slide number six. Um, okay, so this is um, this is useful. We have some very simple demo plugins. And um, as I said, I am actually something of a newcomer. I have used these plugins as a model for building bigger plugins. So there's enough there that you can kind of see um, how the plugins are supposed to work. They are available um, on the web. Um, unfortunately, I didn't put the HTTP source this but they're available in the same place that you would go to get this um, this um, presentation and um, and um, they're very simple plugins um, these are not examples of how complicated your application can be but they are examples of, um, of um, essentially what the capabilities are and, and, um, and what they look like okay so uh, slide seven okay so this is um, the, for the plugin part of this talk, these are the kinds of plugins we're going to talk about. And um, the um, tab widget is the uh, simplest, but it is also um, one of the most heavily used types of plugins. It is used by people where they um, want to make um, essentially a totally different look and feel for what Protege does. They have some completely different thing they want to do. They'll use a tab widget. Um, a slot widget has to do with how things are displayed. And how how um, how slots in an ontology are updated. I'll talk more about that. Um, backends are um, related to um, how the ontology is stored. Um, project plugins are sort of general purpose things where you um, add a menu item across the board to um, to the Protege application. Um, in the export and create project plugin, it's um, easier thought that the export and import plugins are for um, exporting and importing two different types. So I am now ready to start talking about um, the different kinds of plugins, and I will start with the tab widget. Thank you. Slide number eight. So, essentially, um, the tab widget—it's what you see on the screen when you start Protege. It's um, the—it's the uh, in terms of the um, the um, the Protege screen, it is the um, major piece of the screen. Um, if you write a tab widget, you can um, interact with the um, the knowledge base that, that you know that you've loaded into this Protege ontology. You can browse the knowledge base, you can change it, you can delete um, items from the knowledge base, and uh, you could even, if your um, code is not so good, you can corrupt it in various ways.
2: Question: This is Mike Mitchell. Um, you're talking about the tab widget as if it is a widget, as opposed to Type of by
4: that. Um, the tab widget is a um, plugin. T- okay, so in the um, in the plugin um, architecture for Protege, um, I- I'm going to try to answer your question, and you can come back with a second try. Um, they're, they're, okay, so in Protege, there is these um, six different kinds of plugin types that I talked about, and they're they are declared in a manifest in a certain way. And so a tab widget, which it is actually a plugin type. It's not just a widget. It's a type of plugin. It's which represents an entire part of the screen on the um, on the Protege screen. And they are declared in the manifest in a certain way. It says um, there's a field where it'll say is tab widget true, and um, and that means that this this class or whatever implements the tab widget interface. Well,
2: that if tab widget is true. That means that it's tab widget. It's what?
4: It's that type of plug Yes. Okay, thank you. So, yeah, so when I say the plug-in colon, I, yes, tab widget, what this, that, that title actually means, and I have some other titles like that, it means that we're talking about the tab widget plugin um, type.
2: Okay. And
4: this, sorry? That's fine, thank you. Okay. So this type of this type of um, widget is the most common thing, and so you will see people, and it's a um, people who want to make radically different kinds of um, applications on top of Protege. I mean, you will see people. Who, um, um, well, so one that I've actually been looking at recently is NCI has a thing where where um, when they're for editing ontologies, where they. Implement their own mechanisms for editing ontologies over a server-client, where they have certain controls that they put in place, allow you to um, to test out changes and then commit the changes at the end. And so they have written a um, sort of an entire um, editing uh, mechanism on top of Protege, and so the tab widget is very popular. It is also one of the very easiest ones to um, types to plugin and create. Um, you can um, I just created a plugin in of a tab widget type um a couple of weekends ago and it did take one day. And so um, this is really true. You can make a real tab widget plug in, in one day. And um, depending on your swing knowledge, the better you are at swing you can probably do even faster. And at a minimum the only thing you have to implement is the initialize method. Uh okay. I am ready for the next slide. Sorry. Um okay. So, so this is um, so this is uh, this. What this slide is getting at is that, um, and I don't know how well people know Protege, but that Protege is actually built out of tab-, tab widget plugins. Okay, so for instance, when you open a Protege screen, there is a um, there is a, a class hierarchy view, there's a slot view, there's a forms view, and an instance view and a queries view. So in this picture, that's what you see up at the um, you know, right underneath the main menu, you see these four views. You can click on any one of these tabs, and you get a different view of the ontology. And these are the things that are on, that are that are um, loaded into Protege by default. And so, what I've done is, um, in this picture, what's happened is, is um, I have clicked on the um, configure project. So this is how I would um, change or choose different types of tab widgets. And so the first thing is, is it circled at the top. It circled and it says um, um,
2: the selected
4: plugins are the classes tab, the slots tab, the forms tab, the instance tab, and the queries tab. So what I'm trying to emphasize by circling that and pointing to that is that Protege itself, when you um, when you just download it and maybe um, it's your first time, and you don't know what plugins are or anything. The first thing you see when you start Protege are the tab widgets, the plugins. And that, that's Protege is made out of plugins, and you can um, you can turn it on or off, and um, they work just like any other plugins. So, the other thing that I'm showing is this guy is configuring this project. This is the newspaper project for people who are familiar with Protege. I, they probably touched the newspaper project at some point. Um, the circle below is pointing to a frame counter tab. This is um, this is the um, the um, widget that this is the the plugin that gets added when you um, compile our source and you add those plugins to Protege and at the moment it's not clicked it's not enabled but um, I'll have another screen where I show what it does so um, I think I'm ready for the next slide yes so when you enable this this extra um, plugin it creates a, um, a, new, um, a new tab. So we see the standard tabs, classes, slots, forms, instances, queries, which we also saw in the previous slide that were circled. Those are, the, those, are those plugins. And then I had clicked on the frame counter thing, said I want to enable the frame counter plugin, and the frame counter tab is here. Now this is very simple, really, um, but it does illustrate certain things that are possible in this architecture, because when you click on this update frame counter thing, what it does is it interacts with the knowledge base, it goes and counts with the knowledge base calls, and it says, how many frames are in this ontology? And then it displays the answer. Now, this is, um this, ca- this, this, this particular plugin is um, so simple that it's fairly useless. But it's illustrating the idea that you can do a lot of stuff here. Um, you can do pretty much whatever you want. And, um, and display classes in any way you want to or visualize them. Um, we have. I probably should have opened with this. Um, the protege, protege by itself just creates some um, 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 sort of basic editing capabilities. But when you add on the plugins, and there are 60 um, or so plugins that are um, that are um, publicly advertised on the uh, wiki pages. Um, when you add the plugins, you get um, inference, you get visualization, you get owl, you get um, alignment, get um, many, many, many different capabilities. And so this is, um, this is actually, to me, this is an amazing thing. I've never seen a product that's had um, such success with um, the plugin mechanism. So, so what I'm getting at with that is that while this particular plugin does very little, you um, if you're good at swing and you um, interact with the knowledge base, you can. Um, and you have an idea for an application, you can put it in one of these screens. So I think I'm ready for the next slide. Uh, okay, so I think actually um, I should ask if there is any questions about what I just said. Okay. Um, so, okay, so I move on to the slot widget, which is... Um, so I think the tab widget is the most popular. The um, the slot widget is also a very simple thing that is um, is um, very useful. So in PhotoJ, you have classes and um, instances um, and slots. So a class will have a collection of instances, and these instances will have slots which provide values for the instances. So you could have a slot for a um, for if you have a class that is the author of a newspaper. Then you can have a slot which gives the uh, the name of the author, and that would give, and its values would be a string. Now a slot widget is um, is um, used if you want to take one of the values of one of these slots and display them in a special way. So for instance, um, an example of what you might want to do, and actually I've seen it, is you might have a slot whose value is a string. But it turned out that the value that you put in that string is a little fragment of XML code. And what you're really doing there is you desire this XML code to be displayed in a graphical fashion. And so what you can do is create a slot widget that says display. If you have a slot that takes on these kind of values, display them as a graphic, graphical thing. And, um, and even allow the user to um, click on it and update it in a graphical way. Um and so that's essentially what a slot widget is. So it's um again pretty easy to create. It's a um <coughs> it's um it's sort of like a, a little mod that's um very easy to create and it, it's main limitation is that it basically focuses on a single slot. It's um um it's um it allows you to deal with one slot value for a um um for a frame, so slide twelve. Okay, so here I'm giving you an example of, um, of um, how the slots work. Now, so to explain this a little bit, when 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 there is this um, tab, which is a standard part of protege, <coughs> which I heard um, actually. Um, some people who are very experienced say this is one of the things they really like about Protege. It turns out that if you take a class, you can um, customize um, the way in which users are able to edit and view that class. So, for an author, you may want, um, if you have an author, you may want um, to have the name prominently displayed, and you may want the name to be called name, and you may have... um, some other um, features about the author that you want to put in various places, and the forms tab allows you to um, configure both where and how it's laid out, and um, what you you know what you display about about a particular author. So in this case, um, so we have this um, pull down menu. It's okay. So in this case, we um, the author has a slot which is the author's name. And, um, it's logical that when you're displaying an author, you want to show people their name. Mm-hmm. And, um, the normal type of, um, widgets that we use for that are things like the, uh, text field widget would probably be the recommended one for the author. But if I choose to display it in a certain different way, I can choose a, um, a different, um, a different one, like the string inverter. Now these things in the pull-down list on the right-hand side, these are, um, these are slot widget plugins. Each one of these is a slot widget plugin. So there is a URL slot widget plugin. There's an image widget slot widget plugin. The string inverter slot widget plugin is um, well, fairly useless. It is the plugin that we have created to um, to demonstrate this. So, so, um, so um, what we've done here is we're saying we want to present the um, the name of an author, and we want to use the string inverter plugin. So, um, and on the next slide, I will show you what it does. So, what this... Um, so, if I was demonstrating this live, I'd actually do it live. But what the string... Input, so, this author is getting displayed in a certain way. And you can see on the left this thing where it says name. And it has this funny name, which is Wilk. Um, Wild. um so what the string inverter, somebody has clicked the string inverter button. What the string inverter does is it allows you to um, reverse the name um, for this person. And so when you click on that button up there, it um, inverts the name. So what's being demonstrated here is that this type of which um, plug-in will um, allows you to both display um, how you want the, um, the um, a, a various author to be displayed, and it also um, gives you, um, the, the guy who worked the, um, the slot widget plugin is a lay, able to um, change the way in which you could edit it. So he can have a, um, a different editing scheme. And um, so I'm ready for the next slide. Okay. So now the thing that makes um, the slot widget more tricky is that there is actually a, a, a protocol that you have to follow. You have to do things in a certain order in a certain way. And so, um, like the tab, which you have to initialize, um, when Protege asks for what value is being displayed, and it, it will ask for this when it wants to um, set the value for a slot, um, Protege will call get values. Um, when the slot value changes, um, Protege will call set values. and um, And then... The, um, the SpotWizard plugin itself has this method where he can call Protégé and say um, a value change, and he calls this value change method. And then there is um, an is suitable method. The purpose of the is suitable method is to say um, this plugin will or will not work with this ontology. For instance, you might have a plugin that only makes sense with ontologies, and there will be an is suitable method that says. Um, would checks whether the the ontology is an owl ontology, and if it is an owl ontology, it says yes, it's suitable, and if it isn't, it says it isn't. Um, and uh, set editable is um, has to do with um, prototype telling the um, the user whether this um, this slot is an editable slot. So, for example, what will happen is that um, say that somebody say that uh, okay, so when the, when a slot is initialized the um, protege will call set values. So will say, I have this slot, I know the value, and here is the name. So, in the particular instance of, um, of that author, he will say the name is Kelly. You have an author whose name is Kelly. Protege will tell the plugin the slot widget, that the name is Kelly, and then the slot widget will display the name Kelly in its slot. So, now, if the user edited somehow... Um, the slot widget will then, when the user finishes the edit and says, okay, I want to um, commit this edit, the slot widget will call protege and it will call value change. Protege says, oh, there's an update. And then protege will call get values. It says, okay, I see the value. It turned into um, that impronounceable name, the um, ilik." So... So this is what makes the um, slot widget a little more complicated than the tap plugin. In the tap plugin, you're just displaying something, and you have complete control over everything. In the slot widget, you have this protocol that you need to follow. Um, okay, I am ready for 15. Um, okay, so this is another point where I say, um, are there any questions about this?
3: I had a
1: question, uh, not necessarily about this particular plugin, but um, I was wondering. Uh, if you've been able to use um, protégé as far as developing and maintaining a, a, a taxonomy, uh, just a pure taxonomy instead of attempting to create some kind of ontology with it.
4: So just the taxonomy part. Right. Um, Have you had any success or experience with that? um uh, I'm not really the best person to ask that question unfortunately i i, I am I'm um, fairly certain the answer is yes people have done it um, okay. absolutely but um i'd like to but, um, I'd like to get some information from you offline about um who might I might contact about that um okay um okay. actually a recommendation with a question like that would be um to put it on the, um, onto okay. one of the discussion groups. Um, okay. there, are, there are two of them, and it depends whether you're more interested in Frame or Owl. The Owl discussion group is incredibly busy and very hard to track. And right. he, but there's also if you like Frames, the uh, Frames one is um, it's much slower and um, okay. much easier to track. Okay. Thank you. So I have okay. one but, quick question
3: for you about the plugins. Um, I'm, I'm not familiar with Proje, so this is probably to be Pretty remedial question, but why not just load all the plugins in at one time? Is it because you, uh, they allow you to customize the behavior? Or can you just go ahead and load them all and just get all the functionality in one shot?
4: Um, well, so so part of the question there has to do with what, what it meant by loading. Um, one of the things that um, one of the things you want with a plugin is you don't want to slow the system down. Because if you have thirty plugins, you don't want this to have a lot of overhead where it's calculating a lot of things for these plugins if you're not using. It. So what happens is is the um, the plugins are um, are sort of marked. You say, oh yeah, there's one of these plugins and he's this type, and there's one of these plugins and it's this type, and um, so that the overhead is not too great because um, Protege has so many plugins that most of the time most of the plugins are not used. Um, you know, everybody somewhere is using some plugin, but um, but um, for any given you know like one hour session with Protege. Most of the plugins, you know, there will be a some set of plugins that you're not using, and um, so you don't want to have the overhead of actually loading them in and running them or something. You um, you want to know where they are, and if they're needed, you want to pull them in.
3: Is, is that a good answer? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks.
4: Okay. So um, okay. So now we get to the plugin type of a knowledge base factory, and this is um, <laughs> this is. Uh, this is the killer plugin. This is um, we actually um, we've actually <laughs> see this thing down at the bottom which says consider import export plugin instead. Uh, it is pretty much not recommended for anybody but for experts. Okay, um, there are a set of reasons why you would want to have a knowledge base plugin, but they're um, very hard to make. Um, and I can speak from personal experience because. Um, I have made more than one, which is way more than most people, and um, it takes a lot of effort. So what is it? Why would you want to do this? Um, one reason is, is that you um, have your own database format, for example, and you um, you want this to be served up as a protege ontology and you want this to be live in the sense that, that um, when somebody modifies the ontology, the update is directly in the database. Now. Protégé has its own database format, but maybe somebody would come along and say, I don't want the Protégé database schema. I want um, this other one, and I want to have the database at the back end. Um, so, for instance, um, in terms of uh, if the example of Protégé using its own stuff, um, Protégé has its own back end, and it's implemented as a knowledge base factory plugin. Um, um, the other thing, the other example down there, the external server also a um, knowledge-based factory plugin. And so, it can also be used for um, parsing of different file types, although this thing, you'd probably do better with an import and export plugin, and probably what you want to do, is uh, just to keep your life simple, would be instead of making a knowledge-based factory, it would be to create something. If you have a file format, you would say, I am going to create a plugin that will import it," And, um, and, uh, so, what are its limitations? Well, the limitations, one of the limitations of this is that it's um, difficult to implement the, uh, manipulate the user interface. Um, as a matter of fact, I think difficult, it's probably wrong to manipulate the user interface from this thing because this is really a very low-level mechanism. It's um, down with the data store, and um, it's at a very low level. So, you really um, you really have to think about things at this low level. It's... Um, I think one of the limitations is it's hard to create and the uh, implementation being buggy. I mean, it's a, um, you have to know why you want to do this if you're going to do it. So I'm ready for slide 16, I think. Uh, okay, so I didn't say much about the Knowledge Base Factory plugin, but um there any questions? Um, okay. Just a quick oh. question.
1: I, I think what you said is, like, if I had... Um, of knowledge
2: story device so that behaves the way that I like. Drawings, We were locked into it. They had a different context, and I could just go ahead and change
4: out That's effectively what you're saying. Um, well, you dropped in and out a little bit for some reason with the question, but I think you you have your own device which has a um, um, a knowledge store, and you want it to work with Protaj. Yeah. But, yes. So. So, yeah, and that might be a case where you – and if this is a dynamic knowledge store and you wanted to update the Protégé ontology directly and have people type in the Protégé directly and have it directly update the device, this would probably be a good example of where you would want to do a, um, a backend, a, a knowledge-based factory. Um, okay, so a project plugin is a different type, and um, so – the uh, definition that we have here is that it's code that executes when things happen. But um, sort of a uh, more informal way and um, probably more what you um, actually end up seeing is that it allows you to do things like um, creating new menu items and stuff like that. So, like, um, if you want to, uh, in the edit menu, you have a new menu item. You can um, use the product cl- project plugin to put that in there. And the way these two definitions interact is that if you want to have a new menu item, for instance, what you do is you make a project plugin that says when the when an ontology is loaded, you um, add this menu item. So the things happen in that case is the loading of the ontology, and then the action is to um, is to um, um, is to um, add the menu item. So how hard is it to create? It's pretty easy. Now, the seven possible interfaces to implement, I don't think this is really uh, um, makes it much more difficult. Usually, you'll have um, a limited number of these that you're interested in, like uh, loading an ontology and unloading an ontology or something like this. But um, So, it's, it's pretty easy. So, uh, slide 17, I'll show an example. So, for instance, in this guy, again, in the background, you see that I've loaded a... Um, Newspaper ontology, and you can see the uh, the, um, the funky um, string inverter um, plot plug-in in the background. Um, and what's happened is is that um, you see this edit menu that this guy has pulled down, and at the bottom of this edit menu is um, some weird menu item that says "my new edit menu item." And what's happened is is that when this when this ontology was loaded, this plugin got Invoked, and it asked if it was a suitable plugin for this ontology. It said yes, I am, and then it said, okay, so what do you want to do? And it said, I'm going to add this menu item here. So, um, so, uh, and this menu item. So this is in a way a very, very flexible type of plugin because this menu item could be doing anything uh, um, across the board. I mean, it could pull up a, a whole new Swing wizard which would then take you through some steps to do some complicated operation to your ontology. Um, so I'm ready for the next slide. Okay, so I guess we're back to uh are there any questions? Okay, so um, export plugins. Uh export plugins are um this is actually, if you're if you're interested in supporting a different file format, for instance, um, when we do RDFs, we have an export plugin that um, exports to RDFs or some other type. Um, this is actually the recommended way to do this, to support this file type. Um, the uh, knowledge base is um, is another way to do it, but um, the knowledge base plugins are very hard to build and take a lot of work. Whereas this is. Um, Compared to a knowledge base, it's uh, relatively easy to do. And um, so um, the properties of it is it um, allows you to save, um, to export um, an ontology to some format somewhere else, either to a different file format, to a server. You could export to a database. You can export XML to the web, whatever. Um, You don't have to change the back end, which is a good thing. now, depending on how you write your code, there's no guarantee of a lossless round trip. Which what that means is, is that um, if I export my uh, my ontology to a Foo format, and then I try to use this Create Project plugin to um, to import it back, um, it could be that um, after I export it to the FOAF format and then I load it back in, um, I um, I don't see the same. It looks different. Um, this is actually standard with all, probably all exports in all software. There is this feature where, where you know you export to a certain format and you read it back in and it doesn't look exactly the same. Um, the other thing about an export plugin, which is the one reason why you really, really may want to use the uh, knowledge base plugin instead of an export plugin, is that the export plugin is not a live connection. In other words, the user will click, say, I want to export, and he'll export and it'll go. Whereas um, for instance, in the Protege server client, the thing is live. Um, when the when a user changes something, the um, the changes are stored immediately as the user changes it back in the um, back in the server. Or with a knowledge with a database knowledge knowledge plugin, it, um, it uh the user makes a change and it instantly is reflected in a change in the database. So in the export plugin, you don't have this this um, this live connection. It it's when the user chooses to export. It's exported and that's it. So how hard is it to create? They say a, a medium hard, a week. Much easier than the um, knowledge-based plugin. You have um, one method that you must implement. So I'm um, ready for slide 19. Um, so this is. Uh, there isn't a lot of um, meat to this, but um, this is showing um, an example in the um, in the plugins um, sources that I have with this um, that that you can get. Um, if you load that plugin, it will create this foo file format. And um, if you take the newspaper or pretty much any ontology and you export it to the foo file format, and then you try to load it back in, you'll find that um, all your information is lost because that's how this plugin works. Um, but if somebody wanted a better implementation, they could make one. This is a very simple example. So, um, so this is what the um, export plugin looks like when it's actually implemented. So I'm ready for 19, uh, 20. Okay. So uh, any questions?
3: Yeah, I'm kind of on the same subject, not quite exactly. But uh, is there any kind of a, a programmatic that you? Uh, any way to programmatically access the uh, knowledge base that's held by protege, or does it always have to be through the through the protege interface, or uh, import export?
4: Um. Okay. So yes. Yeah. So there is. Um, okay. So I think this is the answer to the question you just said. So the question is is, um, is the, uh, how, how how do you access the knowledge base? I think is really what you're asking.
3: Yeah. And
4: sure. um, and and. Programmatically, yes. And actually, um, I had a little bit of a puzzle of where to put this in this presentation. In a sense, logically, this goes first. But um, there is an interface, um, and um, 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 there's actually two of them. It depends whether you're doing all the frames. But in the case of frames, there is an interface. um, um, I could even give you a package name, but maybe that's not useful. There's a knowledge base interface. And this knowledge base has things like... um, like um, get classes, um, create class, get class by name, uh, get instances. You know, it has it has um, basically all the things you want to do with your ontology. You know, so you start at the knowledge base, which is sort of like the top of the ontology, it's the ontology itself. And then you could say, well, okay, so I'm at the ontology itself. I want to find um, a class named Foo. And then when you get the class named Foo, you can that um, that class will have its own interfaces, which say these are um, the instances or these are um, these are um, properties that it has and so um, so the answer is is that there is a um, rich and um, and sort of um, I don't know what the right word is appropriate um, knowledge interface which is and I think it's pretty easy to use it's fairly clear what to do when you see it there is like a Java API or Yes, it, uh, yes, sorry, I left that out.
3: It's Java API. So that's, absolutely. that's really all I need to know for now. I can uh, look up the rest. Okay. Okay,
4: okay so, oh, is a question? Okay, so the, uh, create plugin is, um, it has a funny name, but it's sort of like a, uh, import plugin. So it's essentially the, uh, inverse um, version of the export plugin. So if the export plugin puts some um, puts the knowledge base somewhere else, the uh, the create project plugin will take the um, information from somewhere else, like a file server, the web, or whatever, and will turn it into the ontology. Um, again, like the uh, like the export plugin, you don't have to change the back end, which is very good. It's very hard to change back ends. Um, no guarantee of a lossless round trip. If you export something and re-import it. Depending on how you wrote the plugins, you may not see the same data.
2: And again, it's
4: no live connection. It happens when the person clicks. It's not. It's not live. And again, it's about a week. To, um, a week to build. So um, I'm ready for the next one. Let's see. Oh, okay. So these are the. Um, this actually, this this plugin it, it it sounds easier than it is in a way. There is again a little bit of a um, a. Um, um, a protocol here. There is this can create project that says um, they, these these, these, um, these plugins are invoked by wizards when a user is trying to um, trying to um, create a project. And at a certain point in the wizard, um, it will um, ask all the plugins, or are, are you appropriate for this particular guy? And um, and the plugin type will show up if he's appropriate for this kind of project. And um, and then there's create project wizard page, which is um, which is uh, so if you're getting your data from a database, you're importing data off of a database, you might need to um, add a wizard that says um, here are all the, here's the form that you need to fill out. Uh, you need the database type and and um, you know who the user is and what the password is and stuff like that. And the create new project, which will create the um, project based on the information and the build. Project from existing sources. uh, Well, so the difference between these is the build new project builds from existing sources, but they also have one which will create a project from scratch. Which I guess part of the reason it's not called an import plugin because this actually uh, is creating whatever that backend store is. So, okay. So next slide. So um, this example is showing a person going through the. through a wizard. He, um, he has um, clicked the protege open file. Uh, well, he's click, clicked um, protege the file menu. and Down there he clicked new and he gets this, um, He gets the first part of this wizard which is the thing on the left, create new project. He says, okay, I want to create from existing sources, which is telling protege to start thinking about, um, about um, create project plugins. And he says, okay, I want a protege file of Pond Pins. And he clicks on next. And then he gets the uh, screen on the right, and um, so they have the two standard source types, which is a protege file, a punt and pins with pins, which is the standard Crane's um, way of representing files. And then he gets the other choice, which is a um, Al file. <coughs> and then he gets this other thing here, which is um, which is the plugin that we created, which is in the in the sources, which is these foo files. And before this foo files was displayed, you know this plugin was asked, are you appropriate for a protege file project? And he said, yes. So that's why you see him displayed there. So I am ready for slide 23. Um, okay, so this is really uh, just sort of a summary of what we talked about. These are the um, six different plugins. Um, the most common one is the tab widget. Uh, people people do all kinds of things with tab widgets. Um, and... Um, but there are several um, there are several um, export and create project plugins and project plugins show up every so often and plot widgets are also good. But the um, but the most common of all of these types of plugins is the tab widget. So okay, so uh, next slide. Um. Uh. Okay, so I don't know that I want to go too much into this stuff. Um, plugins are packaged in a standard way. They go in, um, there's um, in the uh, Protege um, directory, application directory, there is, a, um, there is a plugins directory in there, and all the plugins live in different directories inside of there. And um, plugins, um, by convention, plugins are usually represented by a name of the package, because that often tells you what project it really is. And um, the jar files go in there, and there's a plugin property that gives properties. And um, if you um, if you create a directory structure like that you can just zip it up and you can give it to anybody and they'll unzip it into their protege and your plugin will be working for them. So I'm ready for the next slide. Um, let's see. So um, well so this is saying that if you um, I don't know that I want to say a lot about this, but this is uh, saying that if you do a good job with a plugin and um and it looks like it's um, fairly solid. It can end up getting bug- bundled with Plugin Protege, sorry. And as you see, uh, when you, if you install Protege on your system, you'll see that there are a lot of plugins that come with it. Um, and uh, so <laughs> um, this slide was originally made by Ray. So you see this uh, uh, his sense of humor here. You... Uh, advantages you make it a lot of users quickly and a disadvantage you make it a lot of users quickly so um, uh, this is something I understand well and um, I'm ready for the next slide um, so um, yeah I think um, the well formed is that um, that uh, that you basically put things together in the way that um, that fits the um, correct format. You have a jar file in the right in a, in a directory that 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 fits the um, that that um, that's expressive of what your project is and that fits the the usual format. Um, that you um, don't have a, um, a um, three gigabyte plugin that doesn't do very much. Um, this kind of stuff. And that it's suitable as implemented, so that it doesn't show up for projects where it doesn't make sense. And um, so I'm ready for the next slide. Um, well behaved means that it um, doesn't do horrible things. Like um, it would be very bad. We won't bundle a plugin that um, that, um, that crashes um, on startup um, consistently, because then when people start prototyping, even if they're not using this bundle, this plugin. They will. um, They'll say, "Hey, um, Protege is crashing on startup." So, um, so basically, you want a well-behaved plugin that doesn't do bad things. um, Doesn't um, that that will allow um, both users who are using the plugin and users who are not using the plugin to be happy with it? i ready for the next slide. And. so, yeah, well, this one, probably there are exceptions to this one. But, you know, if we're going to bundle it with Protege, um, we want the uh, plug to be somewhat maintained. Um, this does not mean um, infinite amount of support, but, but there is something going on that it isn't just um, dropped and then forgotten. Um, okay, next slide. Um, so this is where we started at the beginning, um, the stuff about the licensing. Um um, plugins, um, plugins. You can develop your own plugins. They can be proprietary, and um, and you can make them for pro- Protege, and um, and this works fine. There's no um, the uh, open source um, um, infecting of the uh, of the plugin um, doesn't happen. So and you can sell your plugin to whoever would buy it, and this is, this is great. And actually, I mean, I think it's sort of encouraged. I mean, that's cool. If you can do that, that's a good thing. And uh, I am actually not an expert on licenses. I can just sort of give a vague. Um, I mean, it makes sense, um, but uh, you would need a lawyer to look at these things to get it right for real. I mean, licenses are tricky. Um, okay, so next but slide. I have
0: a question: Just a quick one. Can, can I assume that this refers to plugins that you don't bundle? once, let's say, we submit a, a plug-in to be bundled, then it has to
4: go with the Mozilla public license. Is that correct? Um, I actually don't know the answer to that question. Um, I really don't know the answer to that question. I, um, I'm i not sure. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we have bug- plug-ins that are not fully open source. Um, but I don't i i I almost know examples, I don't know the answer to that question, so if yeah it, um i yeah <laughs> sorry go ahead uh okay, so I think I'm ready for next yes plug in summary um um Yeah. So okay. So plugins. I I think my summary of plugins is that um, that plugins is what's made pro, is probably the major source of success for pl- Protege um, because if you look at Protege, this is this is you know this is what you think about. I mean, you have this thing and it really has these four tabs. It does nothing more than than editing basic editing facilities. But then when you look at um, Protege. Beyond that, were all the plugins, and most of them were bundled, and they're right there, and you can access them right away. You start thinking about all the plugins that have been added. And all kinds of stuff has been added. I mean, you have this imprint and the visualization. And I looked at them before, but but this is what plugins do. They allow you to um, add um, a tremendous amount of functionality of whatever type you want in a very flexible way, and um, and it has um, it has worked very well. And if you make a plugin. Um, this is um, again one of the things that helps for today. You um, contribute the plug-in back to the community, and if people like it, this um, this helps everybody. Um, okay. So next slide. Um, okay. So I'm not going to talk about this very much, but um, and actually, this is something I have been trying to figure out, but I actually don't know the answer. I suspect in this case, um, the uh, licensing issues are not as good. In, in a sense, I, I suspect that our um, that our um, open source license will infect you, but uh, I don't know this for sure. Um, so, but this is another type of um, way in which you can use Protege, which is you could say, okay, maybe um, maybe this is probably what usually happens. You initially you make a tap plugin and it works really well and all this other stuff, and then at some point you say, I don't need Protege anymore. You know, it's like the, um, the, the the really the tab plugin that you wrote was really what you wanted, and um, you you like the um, Protege API, but you um, but you um, but you uh, don't really need all the other things that Protege gives you, and so this is when you get into the standalone Protege application, and so what you do is you um, you have the Protege engine underneath. And you, um, and uh, on top of that, you build your application, which could look like anything you want. I mean, it could be an Eclipse application. It could be uh, something that runs on a pop-top or a device or whatever. And, um, yeah, you can do things like uh, they have this underlying model of data as secure as you want. You can, you can um, cover a lot of these things. And um, uh, so... So, what this is saying is, and this is getting back to one of the questions, and actually, I think I'm ready for the next slide, which is, what's going on here is that, um, um, yes, so what's going on here is that Protege, um, you can use standard Java interfaces, and, and I'm giving Al examples here, but you can use um, Java interfaces to um, access all the things you want to about an ontology that you would need to, um, to um, manipulate it programmatically. And um, so you can get the standard OWL vocabulary equivalent class. You can create name classes and properties. You can um, create Java classes for all parts of the OWL abstract syntax and more, because actually you can also create Java classes for the RDFS stuff that's underlying it. Um, you can create um, OWL expressions that define the class, and you can listen for changes in the ontology. And um, these are sort of like the, well, these are the standard things you need to do in a uh, ontology um, um, interface, a knowledge model interface. And um, and these are all provided by, um, by Proto-JL. And uh, similarly, if you um, do frames work, um, there is a knowledge model for frames which does the analogous thing to the frame side. The, the things are a little different because... The frame's language is a little different, so you wouldn't have create Al expressions, restrictions. The closest thing to that would be a create facet, which is slightly different because it's a different language. So I think I'm nearing the end, so I'm ready for the next slide. Good question. Yes.
2: Um, so suppose you decided you liked your tab, which you decided to run a standalone tab. But Suppose you had also built your own backend too. Now, oh, you might actually have a complete standalone app that it doesn't use. So, well, what parts of the would be used in that case? Was that really just using infrastructure? you I mean? uh, Yes, I,
4: I think I see what you mean. Well, actually, um, <laughs> um, I almost wish I could draw this on a board. It, actually, what you'd be using in that case is all the middle. You see, uh-huh. the back end... Okay. So you have um, a the protege application. If it's like a tab and you built it initially and then you turn it into a standalone application, it will be using this um Protege Knowledge Interface, which is okay. you know, these very convenient classes. So you can have a class and you can get its instances and all this. The back end is many, many layers below that. I mean you go through a whole set of um, of um, frame stores and a whole set of narrow frame stores and then down at the bottom, way down deep is something that something that has been optimized for, um, for um, things such as um, doing search on a database or, or accessing a database. And so the answer is, is that if you made a, if you took a tablet and you turned it into a standalone application, and then you also put your own back-end in there, the, um, the things Pro- that you'd be using is all the stuff in the middle. Okay. Which is, um, and in particular, your tab widget application would have a, not your, your standalone application, excuse me, would have access to this nice API, which is, um, I mean, there are a lot of knowledge based APIs, but the Protege API is, is, um, is a very reasonable one.
2: Right. I have another
1: different question. This one about, the, oh, okay, can I turn that music off? We've yeah, got playing in the background. I, I think we've been put on hold, hold.
0: And obviously, that person doesn't know that we're talking about <laughs> that.
2: Anyway,
1: so my question is about how is the OWL plugin built? I mean, in some sense, it's it plug-in, but it seems like it probably used a million plugins.
4: Well, so yeah, this is a good question. <laughs> it's very absorbing. <laughs> the OWL plugin is actually um, arguably not a plugin. As as plugins go, it's very invasive. It does um, it does all kinds of things that normal plugins don't do. And so your observation of saying, "Well, Al looks like lots of things, um, and it looks like a totally different application." That's actually um, there's a lot of truth to that. So,
2: um, way, so one could say, strictly speaking, it's not a sort uh, plugin in the sense that it's not one of these types. Eight, eight, eight,
4: because be yeah, power um, is a special case. I mean, it really um, it is it is it, it does follow the plugin architecture in many ways. But um, but one of the intents with the plugins is that you know that you should use the knowledge base API and that you shouldn't be invasive. You know, like um, like if you're, using, if you're making a tab widget, you shouldn't go down and be mucking around with. Um, narrow frame stores which are a very low level implementation thing in protege and the OWL plugin um, doesn't follow any of these rules it, um, okay. um, and actually I don't think that works to our advantage unfortunately but um, that's historically what has happened I think it would have been better if it had been a plugin more if it had been a collection of plugins I think that would have been better But it's it and, and it is a collection of plugins in the one sense um, I mean if you go and look at the manifest, it's all there if you go and look in the directory um, you know, it, it's probably formed and all of that stuff. Right. But um, but um your, your observation that it doesn't look like a normal plugin is right. It's very invasive.
1: So what about a, a normal plugin that is normal in every sense, but happens to be a very large one, and does use a lot of scope plugins?
4: Is
2: there any sense of, of packaging up a big plugin which has scope
4: plugins as part of it, or would all the plugins um, well, so, okay, so this is, um, um, I, I think the right answer is not yet. You, you can't break it up yet. Um, 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 but hopefully, um, actually, this is the thing that we have planned in mind is to have a more flexible plugin architecture. The Protege plugin in architecture has been very successful, but it doesn't allow things that are sort of standard in a, in a platform like Eclipse where you can say, um um, in Eclipse, you can have a plugin, and a plugin can deti- define a new plugin type. This is um, not possible in the um, Protege.
2: So, so no um,
4: sub plugin. What's that? There's no notion of sub plugin or plugin sub I I think that Al actually um, yeah. along the lines of this invasiveness, Al actually creates some of these. But okay. yes, in general, it's not a part of the Protege um, architecture. Which, but, but. This is something that's um, planned to be fixed. Um, okay. We want to more. There's several standard plugin architectures. Um, uh, Eclipse probably being the most famous at the moment, which um, which allow much more flexibility than this. And um, and I think actually in many ways this is a minor move that would be helpful to people.
2: Right.
4: Thank you. This is going to be a really good talk. Excellent. Oh, thank you very much. So I think let me see. I think we're at the end actually. I don't. I think there is another slide. Oops! Did you find out in my?
2: Oops! Yeah.
4: So is there another slide, or is that yeah summary slide? So this is it. So, um, so uh, I think the normal method is field questions. Is that right?
2: Yes.
0: Well, thank you very much, Tim. And. uh, Yes, we're opening the, the, the floor for questions. Uh, Jonathan Chaya, uh, my partner, actually, from im 3 uh, was not able to come, but he sent in a few questions, which I have captured into the wiki. Uh, is well, maybe if we pull those up, uh, see them somewhere. Let's see... On the page, uh, yeah, here. Yeah. So, question. ah, so uh, uh, Jonathan likes to know: Is there a project plan or roadmap for what's coming up in
4: Protege development that you could share with us? Oh, okay. These are all hard questions. Um, um, um. The first one's probably the easiest one, um, which is. Um, uh, yeah, there are several. We, yes, we have several plans in mind. I mean, um, one of the things that we're, we, we – with Protégé um, 3.2, is going to become more solid. I mean, there's a variety of things that, um, that really need improvement. Um, one of them is um, database inclusion and naming of frames. Um, there's currently a problem with naming of frames, which um, leads to this situation where you can't have database projects included in one another. And, um, so there are some major improvements that we want to make to Protege 3.2. And Protege 3.2 is, um, um, is going to be maintained forever, essentially. It's um, it's, um, um, a, um, it's, it's been a very successful version of Protege, and I, and, and, and I, well, I think the current plan is, um, is that it will essentially be maintained forever. I mean, um, it may be that, um, that Protege 4 will, um, will have exactly the same for- functionality in the same form and that there is no issues but if there is we will maintain Protege
0: 3-2. What is What is 3.2 3.3 or 4? 3.2 mean,
4: jumps to 4? Um, okay so 3.2 is probably um, the Protege 3 final release. Okay. Um, now so this relates to question 2 and, and I don't know the answer to question 2. Um <laughs> Sorry, um, there's a lot of things that have to um, settle, and um, they haven't settled yet. And um, uh, and in particular, I mean, some of the things that really need to be done. Um, this thing that I have described, where um, um, where we um, need to um, fix the uh, frame name so that we can do database inclusion properly, is a major change. Um, it will take um, at least a couple of months of focus time and uh, that will probably be part of the 3-2 final release. Um, protege 4, we are um, considering um, taking the current protege and using it, but having a services architecture to um, taking the owl stuff and um, getting a much more modern version of this, um, using some of the uh, modern tools to, um, to make it much more robust, because the protege owl thing is... Um, 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 tool is getting pushed to with Linux, so we want to make a, a very, very, very solid um, version of that based on, um, probably based on the WonderWeb Web API. Do um, plans to
0: drop frames altogether
4: and just stay with Powell? No. No plans to drop frames altogether. Frames, uh, in fact, in the future versions, see, frames is, is, in a way, the easier part because the, um, the Protege4, the frames is going to be pretty much the same as it is now. It's going to evolve, but it's, it's going to be the same. Um, we have a um, we have a, um, a collection of people who use frames heavily. There are advantages to frames over owls that um, are not insignificant for modelers, and so Protege frames is is, is a very important part. Um, it, but it's the Protege OWL world where we have to think about. Um, um, the change for the future is more complicated than the Protege Owl world because um, we're probably getting to the limit of what the current architecture can do in Protege and um, and um, Protege 4 will look mu- much the same. I mean, it's going to have the same capabilities, the same plugins, but um, but we're going to um, create a much more solid and robust case, which, um, which you know, to move forward to the future. So um, Protege frames is not going away at all. It's, it's going to, um, and in fact, in Protege 4, the Protege frames um, uh, knowledge base is very solid, um, and the Protege Al thing is solid too. But um, but um, we are working on a um, on a um, more modern version for the future, and and the plan is to have the same capabilities as we have, in the same look and feel as we have in the current protege but to have a um, more solid underlying knowledge base engine
0: I, I assume that would sort of uh, address some of the scalability
4: issues that uh, one may face yeah well okay so three you're getting into number three um, improved database support. Um, well so here you may be talking about lots of things um the um, okay long running server support um, there has been an issue recently that's come up on the forums. I don't know a lot about this issue. Um, this is probably um, this is probably um, not a major fix. There is, there is an issue there of a memory leak. We have to understand it and fix it. Um, scalability um, okay so the large ontology in the many users, is probably referring to the server-client um, issues that happen in OWL databases. If you have a complex ontology, it's sort of like you need a combination of three different things, and it's not really scalability. It's not really the problem. What you need is if you have a situation where you have a, um, a um, server-client relationship with, um, with um, significant latency on the network, um, you have a complex OWL ontology and you have a database back in, the, um, the performance, and, and you're using owl. Um, although there's probably some truth, there's probably problems even if you're using frames. But it's mostly in the owl side. The performance is fairly bad. Um, we actually have um, um, a significant fix for this, which you can get out of CDF, but which we are at some point in the future going to um, fold over back into the um, protege frame side. Um, so, so. So with number three, there's several issues there. Um, um,
2: and actually,
4: uh, it needs to follow-on to know which one is the one that I should specifically respond to, I think.
0: Yes. And, and for those
4: uh, uh, on
0: Ontolog and especially people on the ONTAC team, uh, we at CIM3 is working with SMI in hoping to develop a, a hosted uh, collaborative autology uh, development service platform uh, and I guess as that rolls out and as we look to people to help data the, the technology, these, some of these questions will get highlighted again.
4: Well, it's interesting you should say that because we, um, we uh, for, um, for other projects that are going on in Stanford, we expect to have um, protege services um, in the uh coming years show up. Um, so I don't know how that relates to your services. I, I remember you gave a talk about this before, but um at it's um, uh, Stanford but um, so th- this is um, definitely a connection that the the is going to be doing services for um, for various reasons. Yeah
0: and then I definitely need to get you and Jonathan uh
4: talking to each other.
2: Yes. yes
3: okay other questions from the audience uh yes I have a question uh Murray, and works um, this is on um the uh reasoning capabilities over uh owl and that is uh um uh, with the plugins uh when you add uh, new instances or classes uh is there anything that's equivalent to If added or if removed methods that you used to have with the old knowledge based systems, uh, so that you could invoke forward chaining rules or backward chaining rules to either check constraints or to add or remove instances. Uh, I noticed there were these yes and clips and PAL tabs, and I didn't know whether those provide those capabilities or whether those are going to be provided in the new rules languages that are being evolved? Or, um, <laughs> yeah, I'd just be interested in some in commentary on that. <laughs> um,
4: actually, um, well, so I don't really know the answer to your question, unfortunately. Um, um, I know that, um, that uh, okay, so I know with the just tab if you really wanted to, it's definitely possible, but whether whether um, whether it's there in a reasonable sense, I don't actually know the answer currently. Um, uh, so yeah, I don't know if you can um, set rules to fire when something's added or not. Um, uh, in terms of um, the Java interfaces, there's no problem. This would um, this would work. So you could build uh, your own
3: reasoning engine basically over uh, as an application if you wanted to.
4: Yes, and it, and it could be aware of things getting added and deleted. Yes, um, we have um, we have um, several um, um, several types of listeners that you can implement, and you discover this kind of stuff. Um, but if you're talking about the scripting and the rule-based interfaces, I don't know. Um, yes, but definitely, if you're looking at the Java, then um, then all the stuff you you you're alerted. You you can be alerted if you want to be when something changes. Oh, okay. And and pretty much regardless of the change, you can be alerted. Okay. Okay, thanks.
0: Other questions? No. Uh, then uh, some of us, or I, I guess uh, quite a few of us, uh, will be joining uh, Tim and Mark at the uh, upcoming uh International Protege Conference at the end of, uh, July, right? So we could ping, uh, Tim again around that time. And of course for the Autolog community, uh, we are going to having a face-to-face workshop the day before, uh, the, uh, conference starts, uh, which also is part of the conference workshops, uh, on July the 23rd. And Bob, uh, Bob Smith uh, is leading that effort along with uh, Kurt Conrad and Rex Brooks on the organizing team and since Bob is there you want to maybe say a couple of things about that
1: we're uh, looking forward to a really exciting time and hope everybody uh, has a chance to register and attend
0: and what was the theme of the workshop? Ontologizing
1: the analog knowledge base for um, greater insight into the uh, dynamic world around us. Yes. I guess at that workshop, we're definitely
0: trying to address the issues and the uh, maybe harmonies and conflicts between formal and informal ontologies and, and anything in between. And since within this community, we've got people who advocate for uh, formal, axiomatized, first monologic-based ontologies, as well as people who are advocating uh, bottom-up, voxonomy uh, type methodologies. And let's all get around and find out how we can do things so that we can just get the results we people need it. In the well, business world uh, and in the research world. Yep. Well, let's thank uh, Dr. Redmond for giving us uh, this very enlightening talk, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next month. Uh, at I look forward to that, too. Yeah. Thank, thank you very, very much, much, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye. 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 Bye.